0: Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, good morning, everybody. How many of you know that uh, this morning is a little cooler than what it was yesterday? Yesterday was nice and 70 to something, I think it was 70 degrees, and uh, it was quite interesting to walking around with short sleeves and thinking it was hot compared to what we've been having, and then Marcia asked me last night, she says, what's the weather going to do tomorrow? And I said, only the Lord knows, <laughs> and uh, she says, no, really, and I said, only the Lord knows. I said, but I, WSFA said it's supposed, it could be snow about six in the morning little wintry mix. She says, no, really. I said, that's what they said. I don't. But, you know, it was just one of those things. And uh, it was a little cooler this morning. It means I had to take all the plants that I'd put outside and had out there, you know, getting some sun. And and on. I had to take them all, put them back up inside. And uh, strange weathers. Amen. Glory to God. Is everybody doing good? Amen. I want to welcome all those this morning that's watching online got a word for everybody uh, I know last week we went over a few things but if you would just let's go ahead and let's turn to Jeremiah 29 and uh, I want us to to uh, look at this particular verse again Jeremiah 29 11, because this is God's thoughts towards you say this is God's thoughts towards me. This is God's thought toward you. Amen? And it's good to know what does God think. Huh? I mean, we already know what people on TV think, right? And we know what our mates think. We know what other people are thinking. It's what's important, though, is, is what is God's thoughts, you know? So let's just go ahead and just read this together. Uh, I'll read it to you. <coughs> Y'all just follow along. 29-11. Uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, although this was written in 599 B.C., how many of you realize this same word, this same God, has these thoughts towards us in 2022? Amen? He hasn't changed. Peter brought that out a few minutes ago. God hasn't changed who he is. Our perception for thousands of years, and how many of you know from day to day, May change. But God doesn't change. He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts of peace. Good things happening in your life. Thoughts of peace. Now, he is saying this to people who have been taken from their land, from their houses, from their jobs, from their wealth, and put in captivity hundreds of miles away. He is telling them, I know the thoughts I have towards you. And they're thoughts that are good. Thoughts that are at peace and not of evil to bring you to an expected end, to bring you to a place that you're just going to be saying, "Oh, I, I just love this." How many of you know that heaven's going to be better than here? Huh? No matter how nice and how much you might fix up your house and and uh, you may think everything's going great for you, it is nothing to be compared to where we're going. Amen. Hallelujah. So he says, "I know my the thoughts that I have." You You know, him being a father, God, he thinks good things about his children. And today what I want to minister on and and bring to light is the fact that I'm just jumping right in there today. If you want to get some background, go last week, go the week before, whatever, because I don't have time. I'm trying to get us to a position today where we can grab a hold of some truths that can change your life forever. That can take you through certain things. It's the, kind of like that, uh, that lighthouse that, that Peter was talking about earlier, that it's shining a light out, and you can lose your bearings so easily. And how many of you know over the last couple years, I think almost everybody across the whole globe has lost bearings? Huh? But we need to, to see that light. That light's going to say, no, this is a stable place. We know that this place right here. Is there is a place of protection because you're out there in the water and it's saying there's rocks right here, and it's kind of giving you direction of where you are and helping you to uh, locate yourself, and it's to to bring you uh, to an expected end and not once against rocks. Amen. So here we are with a with a father saying this to us. I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Hmm. Bring you to an expected end. Last week we, we talked a little bit about the fact that since these children of Israel was, taught, uh, was told in 626 B.C. by Habakkuk that God was going to bring the Chaldeans down upon them and, and uh, take them captive. And they didn't like to hear that. Nobody probably wanted to hear it. I don't even think that Habakkuk wanted to hear it. But nevertheless, this is what God said he was going to do. I'm going to do a work in your day that even though I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And he was like, how are you going to use people that are worse than us to fix us? You know what I'm saying? That is kind of a a hard thing. But he's looking and saying, but you're a covenant, God. You're an everlasting father. I know that you're going to do whatever you're going to do is going to be out of love, although I'm having a hard time understanding it. But I trust you and I love you. And he wrote this great song about how faithful God is to every generation. And uh, that was what it was in chapter three. and it ends. it was saying this. He says, "God's going to make my feet like Hind's feet, like a deer's feet, and I'm going to be able to leap over every situation because the Bible says the just shall live by faith." And so that's where he's standing from. The whole book is like the first two chapters of, is, is what God's going to do, and it was nothing desirable for anybody. Nobody wanted to hear that. I mean, today we would throw the guy in prison. Well, actually, we'd take him off Twitter for sure, right? He would lose his Facebook account real quick because it's not what anybody wants to hear. But nevertheless, he stood there and sought God. God told him, and there he is delivering it, and he says, God, I don't understand any of this, but I know this, that you're a God of love. You're a covenant God, and I trust you. 26 years later, here we have Jeremiah the prophet, and they have been taken captive by the Babylonians and taken off, and they're there having a rough time in life, uh, trying to figure out what are we doing, what's going on, and the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah for these people, and in verse 1, he said, now this is the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to unto the residue, or those that were left, of the elders, and uh, which were carried away captive, and to the priests, to the prophets, and to the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So everybody that was taken away that's now in captivity, this letter is for them. Amen? How many of you know it's still for us today, too? Huh? Because God doesn't change. And if he's did something for them, and he's revealed his love towards them, and what his thoughts are towards them, then his, those thoughts are still the same for us even though this bunch that was taken captive was not living very righteous lives. Matter of fact, it was all kind of gross sin and and rebellion and lawlessness and all kind of things was taking place in the children of Israel, in the nation there. Not towards other nations, but within their own selves, fighting among themselves, stealing among themselves. This was what was going on in, in their own nation. And as a result of that, things didn't go well for them. I said at the first of the year that some things got set in, get set into motion years ago, and we're living in them today. The same thing was happening here in this particular case. Things that were already set into motion because of the way people were living, the way they were believing, the way they were doing some things. And all of a sudden, 26 years later, it shows up in their life. Now tell me this. What did that little five-year-old child have to do in 626? that now he's having to walk out in 599. Was he a bad person? No. He was just a kid. He didn't know anything. But yet, because of something that took place there, now he's walking through something. But do you know what is great? God's grace is sufficient. Huh? His grace is sufficient. His empowerment to get through whatever we go through is available to us at any time. He has called us to be overcomers. You can't overcome unless you have an obstacle. Okay? So you can look at it and say, God has given me many opportunities to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. So here we have these people, and they're they're having a rough time with it. So in verse uh, 4, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. We see that it was God doing. He said, this is the word I got for you people. Now that you're in a foreign land, living under a foreign rule. He says, I want you to build you houses and dwell in them. And plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and begat sons and daughters. And take your wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. That they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminish. He said, I want you to go and build houses there in Babylon. Build houses there. Not for the Babylonians, but build houses so that you can live in it. I want you to plant gardens, not so you can grow crops to turn it into the king, and all the people there get to eat it, and you don't get any of it. No. He said, I want you to plant gardens and you eat the fruit of it. He said, I want you to take wives. I want you to have children, have sons and have daughters. And not only have sons and daughters, but have grandchildren. He said, I want you to take and give your children to others so they can have children. He said, because I have a desire for you, and that is for you to increase and not diminish. So God's thoughts that he has towards them, he says, my thoughts towards you are of peace and of good." Not of evil. To bring you to an expectation. And his expectation, God's, was this. That they're going to increase in a foreign land under a foreign rule. That was his intentions. And And it was. That's what they did. They were there 70 years. Now you know why he said they were going to be there and take you some wives. Don't just sit back and wait. You need to go ahead and get married. Have some children. Have some grandchildren. You're going to be there 70 years. You need a place to live. The tent's going to get wore out. You're going to need some food, and he said, "Do these things." Now, this is a really good word for somebody that's been taken captive, because you've got all things, all kind of things going through your mind, where we're going to live. Because I imagine they probably lived under the stars there for a little while. What are we going to eat? Because when they left, they didn't have anything to take with them. They just took them the they, they took captive everything, the gold, silver food everything so now they're just standing there with nothing in a foreign land and the word of the Lord is this build houses there plant gardens there get married while you're there have children and let them have children enjoy your grandchildren because I'm going to bring you back here but for right now this is where you are and sometimes we, we look at things like that and we say, well, being like that, how are we going to do this? How am I going to prosper in another land when I was having a rough time prospering where I was at? And I brought it out last week that, that the Babylonians didn't really own their land. They never owned it. God owns it. It says the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to the Lord. So if you're thinking is, is, well, I can't prosper in another land because that's of those people. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if I go and live in Russia. I will prosper in Russia because God owns the land in Russia. If I go to China, I'll prosper in China. Why? Because God owns that land. I will not limit my prosperity or my well-being based on my geographical location because God owns it all. I also understand that the blessing of God is on my life. It's not on a location, but on me. And wherever I go shall be a blessed place because the blessing of the Lord is on me. Everything I set my hands to only in Millbrook, Alabama will prosper. No, whatever I set my hands to will prosper no matter where I am. Are you getting this? So here we got these people that have to deal with this thinking, like we're having to deal with some thinking in our day. Well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to prosper? I mean, have you been hearing what's going on in the stock market? My goodness, we're, we may be at war by the end of this week with Russia. We've got viruses and variants of, 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 and all kind of things going on. Well, I got news for you. I think we're in a lot better shape than these people were back here. And God's thoughts towards them was that they would be blessed. They would increase and not diminish. God has no desire for you to diminish. If he wanted you to diminish, he'd have left you alone. You'd already be dead. He doesn't want you to diminish. He wants you to increase. And what we need to understand and get into our heart is no matter what comes our way, no, 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 no. God's word says his desire for me and his thoughts for me is to increase and not diminish. He could have said, I just had thought for you to do increase. But he didn't stay there. He went on and said, and not diminish. Don't even think down that road that I'm going under. He said, don't even go there. There's nothing in my word that says that about you. No. He said, thoughts that you would increase and not diminish. Now, the thing is, we kind of like that. It's a good word. Especially if you're in a foreign land, you've been taken captive, like I said, you're living there, you know you're going to be there for a while, and God says, I don't want you to build houses and live in them. That's a good good idea, especially if you're going to be there 70 years. And he wants you to plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. That means that there's going to be fruit coming forth out of your garden. Say, well, I don't know about that land over there. God said fruit would come forth and you would eat of it. It didn't matter if it was red dirt, you know, from, from Alabama, red mud, or if it was fertile, rich soil from the, the, the prairie land. You know, it doesn't matter. Food's going to come forth. He said, you'll eat the fruit of it. Because my intentions is for you to increase and not diminish. Now, that's a great word. I think everybody here is kind of like that. It's Verse number 7 is where we're going to stay at for a while today because verse number 7 is what trips, trips up all of us. Because we don't like verse 7. Nobody in here likes verse 7. We're going to read it in just a minute. They didn't like verse 7. God liked verse 7, 8, nine, ten, and 11. But nobody then liked verse 7. People today don't like verse 7. So what is verse 7? Well, verse 7 says this. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. Now, Lord, I like the idea of the house, I like the idea of the gardens, but I don't really care for these people. I was living in my life of sin, didn't want to be bothered. These people took my house. They took my family. They made us slaves. They took our businesses. They took our culture from us. They took our lives, and you tell me to seek peace, or that word peace is prosperity and welfare, seek the peace and prosperity of the city? I want hell to fall down on this city. I don't want peace on this city. Tell me y'all don't feel that way. Tell me that when all this happened with the coronavirus, you didn't feel that way about China. Yeah, you did. And when your person that you voted for didn't get elected, did, tell me you, didn't, you felt that way. Huh? Or if Russia attacked Ukraine this week, tell me you don't feel that way about them. We don't like that verse. They didn't like that verse. But God said in this verse is your answer to where you are. He said seek the peace. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have you. Now that word, oh my goodness, the very first word there, look at that. It says there in verse 6, it says, Take your wives and begat sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And the very next word in verse 7 says, "And." That means that verse 5 and 6 is connected to verse 7. So your ability to build houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit thereof to get wives and husbands to have children and have grandchildren also have an effect on verse 7. If you don't do verse 7, 5 and 6 may not happen either. Actually, 5 and 6 will not happen. I think it happens in accordance to how you did verse 7. Seek the peace of a city. Seek the peace of the city? Well, I don't really want to seek the peace of the city, Lord. I don't like that bunch. I never liked that bunch. Why don't we just all be Jonah's? Huh? Just run. I want them to, to be all messed up. No, 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 no. He said, seek the prosperity and the welfare of the city. Where I've caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. Pray for who? Pray for this bunch. To the Lord. The city. For in the peace thereof you shall have peace. Now this word seek. Is dasha. In the Hebrew. And, and that word does not just mean. You know take a little flashlight and go outside. It means to follow. For pursuit or search. I mean you're following after. It. You're searching out. You're in pursuit of the welfare of the city. Now, the word the city sounds pretty all right, but let's really get down where it's at. We're talking about the governmental leaders of this city, the ones that come got you and took you captive. Pray for them. I want you to pray for for the economy because they stole everything you got. I want you to pray now that they keep getting blessed. I know people die, you know. But I want you to pray for their well-being, their health. The ones that just got through killing your family. Pray for them. Real good word, isn't it? None of us like that. That's why in the New Testament we're told repeatedly to do this. Because they didn't like it and God knew that we wouldn't like it. Especially Americans. We've been rebellious for a long time. Interesting fact about this word, Darash, is this. It is used most, uh, mostly in the expression to inquire of God. To inquire of God, which sometimes indicates a private seeking of God in prayer for direction. I know this, that if he told me to seek the peace of the city, I'd need some direction. Yeah, because my direction would not be what God was. God said, pray for these people. Pray for them to be blessed and prosper and to be healthy and and, and everything. He said, you pray for them. Pray blessings on them. I would be praying curses on them. I would be wanting to revolt and rebel and to figure out some kind of way that we can sabotage the whole place. Blow them up in the middle of the night. Kind of like what everybody wanted to do two years ago when the whole coronavirus came out. <clears throat> Thank you for your enthusiasm. You may have forgot, but I haven't. I watched people argue and fight and, and look at each other strange whether you wore a mask or you didn't wear a mask. I saw it. I heard it. I saw the fears on people's face. I saw people questioning one another, do you really love me or not? All kind of things in the church house. So I know that if that happened in a church house, we surely would feel that way about a foreign land, right? Inquire of God, seek for direction. Also, this word is used to describe the seeking of the Lord in the sense of entering into a covenantal relationship with him. So it doesn't mean just take your little flashlight out and seek around in the dark for something. He said, you better get with God. And you better ask for directions. And you better get private with him and, and personal with him and establish it upon the covenant that you have with God. Not on the situation that you're in, but on the covenant that's everlasting with God. You inquire from that position. He said, seek. Seek the prosperity, the welfare of this city. This bunch that's done this to you. You seek after them. The nation of Israel had not been in this position since they left Egypt hundreds of years earlier. And they needed to inquire of the Lord, how is this going to be? How does this Look, what does this look like, God? Because what I think of and what I see in my mind is not what you're saying to do. I don't even like being here, but I do like verse 5 and 6. But you're telling me in order to get 5 and 6, I'm going to have to go along with verse 7. Our first instinct in all this would be to resist with all of our being. Just resist it. Two years ago, people talked about going and getting ARs. Let's load up on ammo. We don't know what's coming down the pike, but we know this: let's be ready. We're ready to go to war, to fight, revolution, whatever. Think on it. I mean, is am I telling, making this up, or was this real? We need to know and understand the meaning of peace and to keep verse 11 as our compass it doesn't matter where you are and what you're going through you need to understand that if you don't have verse 11 to be your your foundation the thoughts that god has towards you you can get all over the place you can be all over the map well maybe this is god's will for me just to die out here maybe it's god's will to, for us to lose everything maybe it's god's will for us to be sick maybe it's god's will for us to go broke Maybe, it's, maybe this is all God's will. There's no resistance then. It's just like, well, okay. Just take it on the chin. No, God said, my thoughts to you is to increase and not diminish. You may be there, but you're going to be there blessed. Matter of fact, you may be there to sustain the widow woman. Huh? You may be there to keep that country going. Joseph was down in Egypt to sustain that whole nation of Israel. But all of Egypt as well wasn't just about his brothers and his daddy, but the whole nation down there. Why? Because God loves them. Why did he send Jonah to Nineveh? Because there was hundreds of thousands of people there, plus much cattle. God cares about the cattle, too. If he wanted to destroy Nineveh, he could have just left them alone. They were on their path already. See, we don't think the way God thinks. God was looking at verse 7 as a way to keep these people prosperous, increasing, so that they could bring them back home again in peace. They didn't like verse 7. They fought against verse 7. Big time. And that's where I want to go to today is talking about this verse 7 and what takes place. You see, those people, their tomorrow was uncertain now. One day, everything's the way it is. Then the next day, they've been taken captive. Their tomorrow is totally gone. They don't have a clue what tomorrow is now. Yesterday, you had plans. You had a future. Today, you don't even know what where you're going to eat, what's going on. You don't, you don't have a clue what's go- taking place. That's where these people were. We're in captivity. How many of you know that your priorities have changed when you're in that situation? Huh? The day before, you'd be like, I wonder what we're going to have for dinner. I wonder what we're going to eat tonight. The next day, they're over there saying, are we even going to eat? Are we even going to eat? Priorities change. So you know that it'd be difficult to pray for the leaders who just took your life. They took your life away from you. And Jesus has told us this in the New Testament. He told us that when he was walking here. But even in the Old Testament, he says, pray for these people. Do you think he would tell us to pray for the peace of the city if we couldn't do it? So it's not impossible. Maybe unlikely, but not impossible. He would not tell us to do it if we couldn't do it. And in this case, the Lord commanded them to do it. You seek the peace of this city. Seek the peace of this city where I've caused you to be taken away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. Pray. He said, I want you to pray to me for it. I don't want no wishy-washy prayers. I want faith-filled prayers. Don't you begin to come in here and just say, well, Lord, if it be thy will, uh, would you please prosper? No. I want you to come in here and declare the blessings on your enemies. That's what he said. I'm not making it up. It's right there. So we have to keep this in front of us. This word peace is wholesome and completeness and welfare and prosperity. And here it it really is the the area of the welfare or the prosperity of the city. Because in the way that the city will prosper will determine how you're going to prosper. That ought to be a good motive, right? That ought to be helpful in that. Let me read to you how the amplifier says it. It says, and, it's connecting the two, five and six with seven, and seek, inquire for, require, and request the peace and welfare of the city to which I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in the welfare of the city in which you live, you will have welfare. What's the NIV say? Well, it says, also, connecting those verses, Seek the peace of, and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. Huh? Oh. Well, what's the New American Standard say? Well, it says, seek the welfare of the city, wherein I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on his behalf, for its welfare you will have welfare. For in its welfare you'll have welfare. Now, as you can see, each one of these translations reveals that God brought them to Babylon. Which makes us ask this question. Couldn't he have just kept Babylon from ever taking them over to start with? Hadn't he done that before? Kept other nations from overtaking Israel? Many times. So let's quit thinking about all the why God this and why God that. And start realizing, okay God, what did you tell me to do? What do you want me to do here? Where we are. Okay. How many times has the Lord prevented other nations? But in this case, you said, we're going to Babylon. We're here. Okay. So what are you telling me to do? Pray for them. Pray for them. We're to pray to the Lord for the city's prosperity. Mm. Expecting prosperity to come. You know, there's times where you may say, well, I'll pray for you, and you don't pray for them, or you'll pray for them, and you don't really expect anything, but he's saying, I want you to pray to the Lord, pray to the Lord for him. How many know if God knows what's in your heart when you're praying for him? How are you going to go in there, Steve, and say, Lord, I'm asking you to bless and prosper this city, their leaders, the very ones that came down upon us praying for their economy, praying for their welfare, praying for their crops, praying for everything about them. He's going to say, and your life after praying is going to be what? Calling those things that be not as though they are. So now just go into the Lord and inquire, God, I'm making these requests to be known. Now you're going to be walking out there saying, Lord, I thank you that you're prospering this city. Lord, I thank you that their governmental leaders are are growing and and prospering and are healthy. I thank you that their children are blessed. You're calling blessings down upon the very people that took you captive. You're not just doing it one time before the Lord. No, because when you pray, you begin to thank God. Because that's the other part of prayer, right? Thanksgiving. You're thanking the Lord for what he's done. For how long? One time? From now on. From now on. You mean to it manifest? No. After it manifests, then you're continually thanking Him because of His faithfulness. You're not just wishing something good on some people, you're calling those things that be not as though they are because that's the kind of prayers that God's wanting you to pray towards these people that took you captive. And it's no different today than it was back in the day of Jeremiah. We're going to have to search for peace because in the natural, it can't be found. In the natural, there's just no way that we want to go in and declare blessings upon people who have stole your life. Remember this. Peace is not the absence of conflict. I'm going to keep saying that probably forever. But peace is a person. Peace is Jesus Christ. It's the presence of God. And when you find peace, you're going to have to keep pursuing it because there's many distractions out there bidding for your attention. Many things. Many things. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Can you throw that up there for me in the message translation? In the King James, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. In the message translation... It says, if people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When they attend to what he reveals, what did he reveal? He revealed that what? I want you to build houses and live in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat the fruit thereof. I want you to give your sons and take wives and, and your children and have grandchildren. This is what he's saying. He's revealed this to you. And he says, and the way it's going to happen is because You're going to pray for the city that it's going to continue to prosper and be blessed and to grow because out of the prosperity of that city comes your prosperity. He's revealed to it. And if we'll take heed to it, we'll be most blessed. If we won't, we're going to stumble all over ourselves. Amen. That ought to help us, you know, put our glasses on so we don't stumble around in the dark, right? That's what his word says. God reveals to them his thoughts. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. to Bring you to an expected end. What Israel needed was a vision. But not just any vision. What they needed was God's vision for their tomorrow. They had a vision. And we'll see that in verse 8 in just a little bit. But the vision that they had was not the one that they really needed. Because they had a vision too. They wanted to be out of there. They wanted destruction on the whole place. And God says it's not happening not going to happen. You see, the Apostle Paul reveals to us a truth, a very important truth at the end of Romans 8 that we should always keep before us. If we go to, uh, if you would put up Romans 8.35 for me, please. Just as the words that he had for the children of Israel there in 29.11, these are the words he has for us as well. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall it separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress separate us from the love of Christ? Should persecution separate us from the love of Christ? How about famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Will it be the Chinese? The Russians? Would it be? How about within our own country? Will it be the Republicans? Will it be the Democrats? Black Lives Matter? Who's it going to be that's going to separate us from the love of God? He says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. It doesn't matter about the distress. It doesn't matter about the persecution. It doesn't matter about the tribulations. It doesn't matter about the famine or the nakedness or the peril or the sword. and all of these things, you're more than conquerors through him that loves us. That's what God says about us. That reference point again, the lighthouse. Let's get back over here to what he's saying. He says, verse 38. Pull that up. For I am persuaded, Paul said. In other words, he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angelic beings, nor principalities, or demonic forces, nor powers. That word powers is miraculous powers, is dunamis. No matter, nor things present, where you are today, nor things to come tomorrow. Neither height, things that exalt itself higher than then what it should, verse 39, did you throw that up? Nor the depth, the mysteries that we don't understand, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. None of these things, death, life, angels, demonic forces, powers, things present, today's events, or tomorrow's events, (coughs) none of this, Will separate us from the love of God. Y'all believe that? He said he's persuaded. He is totally convinced. How many of y'all are totally convinced? I hope so because that's what God's word says. He doesn't change. My problem with this is not where God is. The question, what we really need to ask ourselves, is this does our love change towards him? When we're faced with tribulations, does our love change towards God? When we're faced with things of this present time, or the things that we're looking at at coming on us tomorrow, are those things having an effect upon our love towards God? Can these things... Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, swords. Any of these things. Can these things separate our love towards God? Can these things cause us to become distracted from our God? Can these things cause us to give our attention to them instead of paying attention to what God's saying? Can if the worries of today and the worries of tomorrow caused our attention to be on it instead of on God. Can these things become a substitute for God's love? God's love is right there for us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We're right there. I mean, we're, we're together. Yet where our attention is divided, it's gotten off track because of all Things present, things to come, heights and depths, nations, economies, sickness, all kind of things. And our focus has gotten on to it instead of who God of love is. His love towards me. His love towards me. And we've allowed these things to distort our love towards God. We begin to question, do we really, does God really love us? That's what the, the issue is about. You see, the opposite of peace, which is what he wants us to have and to live in, is anxiety. And how many of you know that anxiety affects love? It doesn't conquer love. It affects love. How many of you know that you can't be anxious and maintain a world or maybe I should say a wholehearted relationship with the Lord? You can't be wholehearted with your relationship towards the Lord when you got anxiety because now you're questioning God do you really love me if you really love me I wouldn't be feeling this way well thank you for your enthusiasm if you don't like that you're not gonna like anything I'm gonna say about another 10 minutes you see anxiety is exalting another idea above what the Lord has promised I'll say that again. Anxiety is exalting another idea above what God has said. What he promised. That's what anxiety is. Did you know when we live in anxiety, what we're actually doing is giving our heart, our thoughts, our ideas, our lives to that which is inferior to the word of God? Yeah. We give our thoughts, our our heart, our lives, our ideas, our thinking, everything about it to something that is inferior to what God said. We gave our lives to something that ain't even right. How did that happen? Well, it's true that perfect love casts out fear. But it's also true, if I embrace anxiety or allow fear into my life, it's going to affect my love. The Bible plainly talks, Jesus made mention of it, about that uh, leaven in in the scriptures and how it, it will permeate through the entire loaf. It affects all of it. So anxiety doesn't just affect your mental state for today. Anxiety is looking to penetrate and permeate throughout your entire life. All of your thinking. It wants to get into your resources. It wants to get into your your family. It wants to get into your health. It wants to get into everything. That's what anxiety does. It can affect my ability to receive from love. Love has it there for us. Love has given it to us. His name is Jesus. And anxiety affects my ability to receive from that love because now I don't trust him. If I trusted him, I wouldn't be feeling anxious. When we find ourselves feeling anxious, the very first thing needs to be addressed is my relationship with the Lord. God, God, why am I feeling anxious? And you know what he'll say? You don't trust me. You've allowed something to get between us. So in every situation, the very first thing you need to do is address, is my relationship with the Lord? Is it right? How has what happened the last several years affected my relationship with God? We've got to get honest with ourselves, folks. What's taken place over the last several years? Has it affected my relationship? Did COVID change my relationship with God? Did it cause me to to wonder, is God really my healer? How did I really begin to think? Did my prayer life change? Did I pray prayers of faith or prayers of fear? Did I find myself angry? There's a home run. How many times have you found yourself just angry, full of anger? Anxiety does that to us. Did you find yourself second guessing about things? Second guessing God? Second guessing everything that you everything people say? Everything that you're doing? Second guessing your own thoughts? What you know to be true according to God's word you're second guessing it? Do you still trust God as being your protector? Now that war with Russia In the Ukraine there, it looks like it's going to happen, according to all the news people. Do you still trust God to be your protector? Do you still trust God now that you've been exposed to the coronavirus? Do I still trust and believe that Jesus is my healer now that I live in a world with a deadly virus? We've had deadly viruses forever. Do I trust him now with my financial well-being since we've got... Over 7% inflation and lack of supplies. Do I trust him? What's really changed here? Has God changed? Has his love separated from us? Or maybe anxiety has caused us to separate from being able to receive from him. And we walk around agitated, aggravated, confused, second-guessing. Does God really love me? Because that's the whole motive what the devil's wanting to do. So we have to stop and ask ourselves now that I've meditated on these things that are present and things that are to come and, and meditated upon uh, death and life and the things that exalted itself. Now that I've thought about all these things. has it caused me to question God's faithfulness to me. Has it affected my relationship with him? Have I pulled back into a deceptive survival mode? If I'm kind of like, well, I'm just going to kind of step back away from God right now. I'm just going to sit back and just kind of step back, trusting in my own ability to overcome the obstacles in life rather than trusting in the Lord. His love towards me instead of trusting in his love towards me, which he said nothing can separate. Now I'm going to pull back over here and take control of my own life again. Is that what we're going to do? Is that what we've done? Not going to get through this week either. Because, see, every thought comes from either one or two places. Either it comes from fear or it comes from love. Every thought. Every word that you speak either comes from a place of love or comes from a place of fear. And we need to recognize these things as truths. Every word. So our enemy, the devil, wants to undermine our belief In God's love towards us. Not undermine God. Who he is. He wants to undermine our. Or cause us to question. Does God really love me? Do I really matter to God? Am I just another number? Am I just another soul that walked the earth? Or did he know me before I was born? And called me. And had plans for me. As he explained there to Jeremiah. I knew you before you were born. I called you to be a a prophet before the nations. See the devil wants us to question. Whether God really cares about you. If Satan. Can get you to question. God's love towards you. Then he has your attention. Rather than God. He's got your attention. So when you go to second guessing. Questioning God's love towards you. God doesn't have your attention anymore. He's got you. He's got it. And if he gains my attention. Then I've lost my true identity. If he's got my attention. I've lost my true identity. For now I'm identifying with the father of lies. Where God first. He says you're my son. I love you. Everything I have is yours. i do anything for you. I'll lay down my life for you. When you lose sight of that, then it's survival mode. i got to take care of my own self. i got to do whatever I can do. You know, God gave you a mind. You need to think for yourself. No, what you need to do is, what did God say? Nothing's going to separate us from that love. But if he can get you to second guessing and questioning his love that he has towards you, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you. Thoughts of peace. Not of evil. But of good to bring you to an expected end. And if he can get you to question that. Then you'll rebel. You've lost your identity. You're identifying with a father of lies. Anxiety causes me to question my blood covenant with God. Well maybe that was just really for Abraham. And back then maybe we don't really have a blood covenant anymore. Thoughts. Jesus was the blood covenant for all of us. Without the shedding of his blood, we're not there. Anxiety will cause us to question the authority that's been given to the believer by God. You have authority. You are son and daughter of God Almighty, sitting in heavenly places with him to rule and to reign. Anxiety will get you to question whether God really gave you any authority at all. Anxiety causes you to question the giftings and the talents that God's placed in your life. Well, that's just probably me. God ain't gave me any. Anxiety causes me to question the blessings on my life. That's what anxiety does. It's it's causing you to question everything about it. Anxiety causes me to question God's love towards me. Apparently, God don't really love me. And over the last several years, I'm going to tell you something. I've had to remind myself to be at rest and to live in peace of God because peace or the absence of peace reveals my relationship with my God. I'll say that again. Because my peace or lack of peace, the absence of it is revealing to me my relationship with my God. So if I'm not walking in peace, then I must be questioning my relationship with God. Hello, I told you you wouldn't like it. But I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Because we're not going to get any further till we get a hold of this. We're going to continue questioning God's love towards us. Never realizing that we're the ones questioning so I have to backtrack and find out what is it what what have I been listening to what have I done to give room for this when I sense unrest I have to admit to myself there's something that I've allowed to in in my life somehow I don't know how it got there but there's something that's caused that got in there between me and God and I'm questioning God's love towards me so I got to figure out what it is because I'm going to tell you it's going to come back up it's going to come back up It's going to get buried down in my soul, and it's going to show up again undetectable in a different form than the way it went in. And then I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to like, wait a minute. This isn't the way it looked, and you don't know where it even came from, but nevertheless, it's there in your life. I was at peace, and now I feel anxious. What have I listened to that's contrary to God's word? What have I allowed access into my mind that is now trying to gain access into my heart? So I have to remove the inferior information. The inferior information. I've got to move it out of my life that's questioning God's love towards me and towards my life. I've got to get rid of it. It wasn't a conscious decision that I'm just going to trust and believe God. I mean uh, the devil or what he's got to say. But nevertheless, I allowed it to take root in my life. And if I don't get it out, it's going to show up. It's questioning all the time. Therefore, I seek peace. I seek wholeness. Because I know that real peace is only being found in him. To be at complete peace. My being. Is only complete in him. I'm lacking any other time. It's not that God's peace. Or his presence. Has left any of us. Because that's what's really happening. You know when we're walking in peace. It's because he's peace. And we got sight. And we understand that his presence. Is there at all times. In our life. And so when anxiety comes in. It's not that peace left, we just laid it aside. We laid aside the presence of God in our life and gravitated towards a lie, something inferior, something that we have no business messing with. And then we begin to question His ability to take care of us and to be our God. We entertain things that we shouldn't entertain. We take some substandard thought or word that some commentator said. We take it. We entertain it. And even though it's only there for a moment, it's still there. And it hangs around until we deal with it. Those thoughts, those things we gave ear to, two, three, four years ago, 20 years ago, unless we've dealt with them, they're there. And they keep coming up and manifesting itself in a, not in its original form, but an undetected form of the same thing that was planted long time ago. Anxiety tries to enter into your heart. And if I allow anxiety into my heart, it'll be at war with peace. Anxiety will be at war with the presence of God in your life. Anxiety will be at war with where the presence of God in your life and the one that you feed will have an effect on your behavior. So which one are we going to feed? We're going to feed the fear and it affects our behavior, causes us not to be who who God called us to be. Or we feed upon what God's word says and who he said and what he thinks about us. His plans of good and increase, and everything else, healthy. If we feed upon that, then we're going to be strong, and our behavior will follow with that. But if not, we're going to go down a path we don't want to go down. We unconsciously substitute anxiety for the presence of God, and don't even realize that's what we did. Have to stop with that. We've got part way through verse seven. Can we look and see what verse eight says? Can you throw that up there? Is this where we'll be next week? I just need to read it. Okay. That's not the right uh we're talking about Jeremiah twenty nine. That's a pretty good one there. But Jeremiah 29. Hello. But thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you've caused to be dreamed. I want you to notice something there. We're going to talk about this because see it says, let not your prophets. Did he say they were his prophets? No, he said, don't let your prophets or your diviners or your dreams, which you caused to be dreamed. They weren't God's dreams. He doesn't claim any of them. He said, let not your prophets or your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to the dreams, your dreams, which you caused to be dreamed. We're going to go over that last next week because, see, there's things that we're dreaming about. The nation of Israel was dreaming about going on back. We're not going to wait 70 years. We're going to go on back. What is it that we're dreaming about that's not God's dreams? They're our dreams. Dreams that we cause. He didn't claim any of them. They were your prophets, your diviners, and your dreams. They weren't mine. And you know what's going to happen unless we recognize these things? We're going to keep living in our dreams and not his dreams. Every head bowed and eye closed. Nobody's looking around. You may be here this morning. And you've had to deal with anxiety for really all your life. But probably more so in the last several years with all the uncertainty across the entire world. Not just in a city. Not just within your workplace, not just a, your occupation or whatever, but the entire world has been in a, a place of unrest, not knowing tomorrow. And anxiety has crept in, and you've recognized it today. You've recognized it before, wondering, why am I so angry? Why am I upset? Why am I staying up at night? Why am I worried about things I can't do anything about? I'm concerned about the things that are going on today. Concerned about what's not even here tomorrow yet. And I just keep living in, it and it's affecting my life. Maybe today you realize that what we've done is we've given over the presence of God to sub some standard lie the devil. That he has got us questioning God's love towards us, and that's why we feel anxious. And when we realize that God loves us, He hadn't changed how He feels about us. And maybe it's us that's changed by allowing this stuff to come into our life, giving it our attention. Finding our identity in what it's been saying instead of our identity in what God has said. If that's you today, you won't, you're you not by yourself. If this, is, if this is what you're having to deal with, and I'm sure it is for the last several years, the best way and the best thing to do is just acknowledge it and say, yeah, I'm guilty of that. Has anybody here besides me had to deal with this? Raise your hand. The Lord sees hands going up everywhere. Sure it is. Because if you're going to get honest with God, you got to get honest with yourself. I'm dealing with these things because I've allowed this to get into my life, and I shouldn't have. I knew better, but I did it anyway. I didn't mean to. I was wanting to know what was going on around the world. Next thing I know, I'm all caught up in it. I've been identifying with all of that instead of you, Lord. Just repent of it. Make it right. Make your relationship with God right. Let me pray with you. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us so much that you'll not leave us where where you found us. Thank you for peace, your presence. I thank you that it never leaves us. So Lord, help us to be able to see that your presence does not depart from us. It's just that we allow other things to get in front of it. And get between us. We give it our attention. When it should be on you. Thank you for strength Lord. In individuals lives. They can stand and stand strong. Believing they're God. Over the circumstances of this world. Believe in you. Believing in your love that you have for us. Now declare blessings upon the people today. Those here in this body, those that's watching online, blessings upon you. Let the peace of God rule in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Come back next week ready. We're not going to finish this until we finish. Amen? We're going to stick with it because I know that I know that I know this is what we need. We need the word of the Lord. Y'all be dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.